Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, well, Merry Christmas to all my friends in New Brunswick. Great to see you guys. I want to thank Pastor Mike for inviting me out via Santa Satellite. Great to come to see you guys in New Brunswick. The Heldrich looks awesome. I'm excited to spend Christmas Eve, celebrate that together. In my family, um, Christmas Eve is kind of all about tradition. Uh, Maybe you have one. Maybe you will share a meal with your family or your friends later today. Um, The Italian side of my family, we used to have that seven fish dinner. On Christmas Eve, we'd have shrimp calamari, codfish salad, and on Christmas morning, we'd kind of be swollen like balloons from all the salt, but it was good. Um, Now, my wife Colleen and I, this Christmas, we're trying a new tradition with our kids that has recently become popular. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called the Elf on the Shelf. Have you heard about this? The Elf on the Shelf, a Christmas tradition. Um, If you have kids, you may know it was started by a mom in Georgia. She had three kids, and like most small children, her kids wanted to know How did Santa know who was naughty and who was nice? And their answer came in the form of a small elf, okay, the elf on a shelf. Every year at the holidays, he would magically appear on a shelf in their house, the elf on the shelf, and he would sit there with the sworn responsibility to watch the children's behavior, and then he would report it back to Santa every night. And the next morning, after the kids are woke, they'd, they'd race out of bed to discover, where was the elf now? Maybe he was in a different place, sitting on a, another shelf, watching one more day. Wink, wink, okay? Now, if you've seen the elf on the shelf, you know there are rules with this tradition. First off, kids are not allowed to touch the elf. That's just granted. He will lose his Christmas magic. But talking to the elf is okay. You can actually, kids are encouraged to talk to the elf shares secrets with him, and he listens patiently to them, but he never actually talks back, okay? So, so anyway, last week the elf appeared on our bookcase in our house, and my youngest son, Dell went nuts. He loves the elf. He can hardly resist touching it. He just looks at it. He actually just stares at the thing. And each morning he's the first out of bed. He wants to go find the elf, and he became so obsessed, uh, obsessed with this that we gave the elf a new name. We call him Delf. It's just kind of our thing now, and it's a fun tradition. But as I read through this book, I kind of had to laugh because it says, uh, the tradition provides an added benefit. Listen to this. It helps the children to better control themselves. All it takes is a gentle reminder that the elf is watching for errant behavior to be modified. So it's easy to see why the elf is popular for kids. It's a direct line to Santa for parents' behavior modification. Uh, That's how you know a mom invented it, right? It's kind of, anyway, new tradition, fun memories. But it made me think, honestly, how nowadays a lot of people think that the Christian faith, or even Christmas itself, is a little bit like Elf on the Shelf. It's kind of this childish myth that keeps people in line. I mean, at its best, they would, people, secular people would say, well, Christmas is a religious myth. It's just made up for kids. It's, It's kind of harmless. It's a little bit of Christmas magic, you know? But at its worst, maybe Christianity is actually a made-up religion that adults use to control themselves and other people. That's what religion is. It's just a, a tool for behavior modification because God is watching, and we all know God. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Now, am I talking about God or Santa? Which one? At this time of year, it becomes very blurry for a lot of folks. And so a group called American Atheists tried to bring clarity to this by setting up a giant billboard 
at the mouth of the Lincoln Tunnel. Have you seen this? It's quite incredible. It shows a picture of the three wise men traveling to the nativity to worship Jesus, and it says, you know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. In other words, Christmas is for kids for sure, but let's be reasonable people. A virgin gives birth to a baby. Okay, so the Son of God, he's born in this manger to save mankind from their sins. Can we be adults and simply acknowledge the fact that Christianity, it's a myth. Religion is nothing more than a tool used to keep people in line because like on the elf on the shelf, someone's watching, so you better behave. Now the reaction of people has been mixed. Atheists on the New Jersey side of the billboard celebrated about this. But the Catholic League fired back. They erected their own billboard on the Manhattan side of the tunnel, and it reads, you know it's real. This season, celebrate Jesus. So which is it, is the question before us. Is Christmas a harmless myth for kids or the pivot point of human history? Here's how CNN reported it. There's not just light at the end of this tunnel. There's a battle of the billboards on the Jersey side. The atheist holiday billboard, you know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. Well, we do know it's a myth. We, we do know that the invisible magic man in the sky is a myth. We do know this. They must be reading too much Wikipedia or something. I don't know where, where they get these ideas. When the Catholic League saw the atheist billboard... Is there anybody going to respond? Are we just pinatas? Are we just going to accept this kind of thing as a doormat? The Catholic League put up its own billboard on the Manhattan side of the Lincoln Tunnel. You know it's real. This season, celebrate Jesus. We know God is fake, and we know Christianity is uh, Christianity stole Christmas. We know this. <laughs> So they believe that we came from nothing, a Big Bang Theory, or, or is it the King Kong Theory? We, we're all a bunch of apes and we fell down kaplunk one day. I don't know. If he wants to believe in that fairy tale, he has every right to do so. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. The roads into and out of the Lincoln Tunnel are considered prime billboard space. The atheists say they spent over $20,000 to put up their billboard for a month. Polls show 15% of Americans claim no religion, and atheists think a lot more of the folks driving by are what they call closet atheists. We need those people to come out of the closet. Forget atheists coming out of the closet. They'll be coming out of the tunnel. God and Santa Claus are the same thing. They're just, you know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. They believe in nothing, they stand for nothing, they think they came from nothing. As for an atheist view of the nativity on the Catholic billboard... Who are these people? Uh, I don't know. Um, this guy looks a little like me, actually. This season, instead of just ads for watches and electronics, they're selling religion, or the lack thereof. Happy holidays, Bill. A Merry Christmas to the American atheist. Jeannie Most. CNN, New York. Now let's be honest, in this room are people all along the religious spectrum. You may be a devout Christian, like many people in church, maybe you not only believe in Jesus, but you have experienced God on a personal level. Uh, or maybe you're a CEO Christian, you go to church twice a year, Christmas, Easter only. I'm glad you're here, we're thrilled. Or maybe you're here just because your family invited you, but you have doubts. Maybe you're agnostic or, or atheist, you, you, you may not believe at all. And you understand what the atheists are saying, aren't you, don't you? Their main complaint is that Christmas isn't reasonable. It's a childish myth like Elf on the Shelf. And you know what? They have a point. Truth be told, 
a lot of people settle for what I call elf-on-a-shelf religion. They view God kind of like Santa, like he's somewhere up in the heavens or North Pole or wherever watching, and his main concern is with who is being naughty and who is being nice. And then he rewards us based on our behavior. Heavenly beings, angels, elves, whatever, watch over us, and they report our conduct back to the man with the white beard. So you better be good for goodness sake. And in terms of prayer, well, I mean, sure, you can talk to God, but you can't expect him to talk back. He's not really going to get back to you. And the truth is, at the end of the day, the Christmas tradition provides an added benefit. It helps adults better control themselves. All it takes is a gentle reminder that God's watching for errant behavior to be modified. That's the religion, guys, that a lot of people settle for. And maybe you have this vague sense that God is watching and and you hope you've done enough good to outweigh the bad so you get a prize at the end but no real sense of God's presence or that he can actually be talked with on a personal level without an intermediary. So, so which is it? Is Christmas a child's myth? Or is it the defining event of human history? The truth is the real story of Jesus, if you take the time to look at it carefully, is really the opposite of elf-on-a-shelf religion. Uh, according to the Bible, God is watching. He has been watching since the dawn of creation. And as his children, we failed the test. The Bible says... We broke relationship with God through our choice of sin. What is sin? Sin is simply arranging for life without God. It's atheism. I can live my life without God. That's what the entire Old Testament is about. It's this long, sad history of people trying to live life without God. But in the New Testament, God reveals a new plan involving a child, his child, his only son, who was sent to earth for a very special purpose. In the Gospel of Matthew, we're told God spoke to Joseph in a dream, and told him this about his wife Mary. He said, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you didn't know, the name Jesus is actually the Greek form of Joshua, or Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. And Jesus was born into poverty. Now, think about this. The son of the Most High God come down to earth to be with us so he could live the life we were supposed to live, sinless and then die the death that we deserved as a sacrifice in our place. So the real story of Christianity is not the elf on the shelf watching you. It's God on a cross bleeding for you. Second Corinthians says this. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You talk about the ultimate gift exchange. On the, on the, on the cross, the, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the cross is the lynch point of history. Because on it, Jesus took our sin on his body and in exchange, what do we get? His righteousness. You know what that means? It means God doesn't look at you and is no longer counting your sins against you. Instead, you are credited with the perfect life of Christ himself. And as a result, you receive a gift. Jesus does not give us religion, but he restores a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Again, Christianity is the opposite of elf on a shelf religion. It's God on a cross in your place. So you can be forgiven and have the hope, the knowledge of being in his family forever. Folks, the incarnation, God in the flesh, it's irrefutable evidence that God is not sitting up on a perch, high up in the heavens, just kind of sitting up here remote and uninvolved, just watching, judging his naughty little children. But he's deeply loving. And he desires a relationship with us so much that he comes down to our level to forgive us through the sacrifice of Jesus. Folks, when we believe that, and I don't, when I say believe, I don't just mean intellectually, but with our hearts. When we put our trust, our weight on Christ, here's the promise. First John says this, 
But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become what? Let's say it together. Ready? Children of God. See, the gospel is not an invitation to be childish, but to become childlike. To actually have the humility to say, you know what? We all need a Savior. And Jesus is the ultimate proof of God's heart for us. In a lot of ways, Christmas is a holiday for kids, which is why, as adults, you and I, we need to get off our high horse a minute and take a lesson from them. Children are, uh, are funny, aren't they? They have kind of a way of seeing uh, through a lot of pretense and just you know, calling things out, saying what it is. Uh, one of my favorite volunteers at Liquid is Robbie Brooks. And uh, if you come to our church regularly, you might know Robbie. He's a special kid. He is the son of Dave Brooks. He's our executive pastor. And on Sundays, Dave arrives early with his son, Robbie, who was born with Down syndrome. And uh, although Robbie has special needs, he's an incredible young man. He really is. Those of you who know him, he arrives early with his dad. He helps set up our entire church. He carries big bins into Liquid Kids' classrooms. And when the service starts, Robbie's out there handing programs, welcoming new people. And Robbie loves to smile. Robbie loves to give hugs. And he likes to kiss. In fact, one time I went in for kind of a, a hug, and I got one right on the mouth, a nice mouth kiss. It was awesome. Robbie's a gift to our church. And uh, earlier this year was kind of fun because we invited the Brooks over, Dave and his wife Lois and Robbie, to our home for dinner. And so we're getting ready, and uh, we had to put our dog Percy upstairs because Robbie's scared of dogs, right? And, uh, and, and my youngest, uh, my daughter says, uh, yeah, Robbie doesn't like dogs, you know? He's, he's a little different. And I said, yeah, Chase, you know what? You're right. Robbie has some special needs. I said, what else do you notice? And he said, well, Robbie speaks with an accent. I said, yeah. He does. He, uh, he actually has a condition called Downs. Do you know what that is? And we'd never had a conversation about special needs before. And my daughter said, yeah, I do, actually. I think I know what that is. I said, what, what is Downs? And he said, does it make him extra sweet? And I said, yeah. Yeah, it does, Chase. It makes Robbie extra sweet, extra loving. He has, God gave him extra capacity to love people. That's exactly what it does. And you know what my daughter said? She said, hmm, lucky for us. She led the dog upstairs. Sometimes, in our zeal to be seen as wise adults, we miss the lessons that God's trying to teach us with his children. How, how does a child see the world? A child doesn't look at a disability and see limitations. A child sees the world through the lens of love and trust. In the, in the Bible, it says God's a loving father, and, and we're his beloved children. And we grow up, and see, we become cynical and disillusioned, and we look at the hurt and the pain and the disappointment in our world, and we say, oh, God doesn't care. Relig religion is one of just the great scams used by weak people to ignore the tragedy of real life living. But the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christmas, is that God is a loving Father, and he doesn't want us to be childish. Our faith, our worldview is to be childlike, full of faith, full of hope, full of expanded capacity to love. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And now these three remain. I boiled it down. Faith, hope, and what? Love. But the greatest of these is love. Again, folks, you saw the kids up here tonight. You see the kids in the rooms around us. You're going to be celebrating with them tomorrow. Christmas is not an invitation to be childish, but childlike in our faith and boiling it down and seeing the world through the lens of our Heavenly Father, through the eyes of our Savior Jesus. 
It's actually to be filled with hope and love because his spirit is now living in you and it's changing you from the inside out. Love is like the greatest antidote to cynicism and disbelief. And sometimes only a child's response can wake us up to that reality. You guys know that we were privileged this December to serve over 200 families here in New Brunswick and up in Morristown and, uh, who are living at the poverty level. And we spent that weekend together sharing an amazing brunch. And because of your generosity, they went home with brand new toys and winter coats for their children and their kids. And it was an amazing experience. It was, it was just, I hope you know that. I can't thank you enough, Vicki and all the leaders here who made that possible. To see the love of Christ made tangible to our neighbors in need. And to give you a sense of the impact it had, here's a look at love by the numbers. that's a gift, okay? 37 pounds of bacon, that's a gift, okay? And folks, as your pastor, I am so proud, especially here in New Brunswick. This year, we did not run out of coats. That's incredible. So I thank Pastor Mike. Every child went home warm, and I want you to think about this in a few hours. Tomorrow morning, in two cities, kids who have struggled all year are going to wake up to what? Faith, hope, love presence under their tree because you believe what the Bible says. And the greatest of these is what? The greatest of these is, is love. And a lot of you sacrifice to show that. As you know, our year-end Christmas offering is underwriting 100% of this outreach, and we are trusting God to provide $250,000 by December 31st. So first off, I want to thank those of you who have sacrificed 
because you care about people who are hurting outside of our church walls. You've chosen what's greatest. If you haven't given your gift yet, let me just encourage you to do that. Uh, Not for me or for our church, for you. You have a few days left till the 31st, and there's still room to get in on what God's doing. There's something about that, guys, that increases our capacity to be like Christ. But that weekend, I was uh, taken aback by something smaller. It was actually something a child did, again, that uh, kind of modeled for me as adults what we should aspire to. Stevie Lynn Robinson, she's four years old. That's her on the left, and she came running up to me with this Tupperware jar. Can you see this thing? Take a look at this. Take a look at the lid. It says on the top, I don't know if you can see this, Stevie Lynn's angel offering. And she goes, here, Pastor Tim, here's, here's my gift. And I said, oh, okay, thanks. Is this for me? You know? And she's like, no, not for you. And her parents explained um, that weekend Stevie uh, was going on the hour. She didn't like the idea of kids not getting toys on Christmas. So you know what she did? She set up a hot chocolate stand outside her house so she could do her part with her Christmas offering at year's end. And so she hands me this jar with $37.76, and she says, get something nice for them. And I have to admit, I, I haven't handed this in yet, because it's been sitting on my desk as a reminder to me of the faith that God wants me to have as an adult. But to all who believed and accepted Jesus, he gave them the right to become what? To become children of God. I think there's a reason why Jesus wanted us to grow up and become children. Because a child doesn't see poverty and say, well, what can I do? There is deep systemic brokenness in our world, and quite honestly, the root of socioeconomic injustice, blah, 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 blah. A child doesn't do that. A child simply sees a need and and, and, and acts. Love sets up a hot chocolate stand, okay? Love bottles up hope in a Tupperware jar. And a child knows how to, how to go above and beyond what she's capable of and actually trust her loving father for the outcome. That's the spirit of Christ, yes? That's the spirit of Christmas. It's the spirit we must never, ever, ever lose. The faith of a child, the love of Christ. Once we believe it, once we receive it, we're told, let's give it to others. See, folks, in a lot of ways, man-made religion is like the proverbial elf on the shelf. It is based almost all on your external behavior, and the fear of punishment that gets you to do good things. But the hope of Christmas, of saving faith in Christ, is that God is not punitive, but he's personal. He is not up on a shelf judging, but he has come down to fill us now with his love and to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And when you grasp what God has done, guys, in allowing his son to die on a cross, you don't need to be motivated by fear ever again. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. And as believers in Jesus, we're now free to honor, obey, love, serve God out of gratitude. His love for us is actually what inspires us and empowers us to love others. So this is my Christmas challenge to believers and skeptics everywhere. I'm inviting you to do something. Trade in gift exchange. Trade in childish man-made religion. The myth that God awards any of us based on our behavior for Christ. Jesus is the only gift. And only he can give you a childlike faith. Jesus loved children, and children loved Jesus. And one day he held a kid up in front of a crowd, and he said this. He said, unless you change and become like what? Like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Honestly, folks, some of you need to grow up this Christmas and become a child of God. I'm not talking about being childish but childlike in your trust of his son, childlike in your giving, in your faith, childlike in your hope. But the greatest of these is what? The greatest of these is love. That's the spirit 
And that's his spirit talking to you today. And I want to give you a chance to talk back to him. So he is listening. God's listening. He still speaks to us. He still motivates us. He still is growing us. So let's bow our heads together and thank him for what he's doing. Father, at this moment, we recognize your son. We recognize a child in a manger, forever changing history. Father, this is a holy moment to recognize that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of world of the world. That you would humble yourself and send your son and die on a cross for people like me is an incredible thing, and we have gratitude for you. Lord, we thank you so much for your love. I thank you for all the children in our church. May we grow up to be like them. Lord, may you increase our faith, our hope, our love, particularly tonight at this time of year. I thank you for everyone in New Brunswick, Lord God, the church that you have grown in our midst. Let us be a light to our community, Father, reaching out with the compassion of Christ and the sincerity of the Father. I thank you for all of this. We love you, Lord. And all God's people said together, let's say it together, amen. Merry Christmas, New Brunswick. Great to be with you. Looking forward to spending the year together. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.